0: 126th sign In Lidiana there was a gentleman named Mira Basali. He was among those who had entered into Baet, Pledge of Allegiance with me. Within a few years he made such progress in his sincere devotion that on the basis of his spiritual condition at that time I once received a revelation. Its roots are firm and its branches spread into heaven. This revelation only meant that at that time he was a firm believer. At that time he displayed signs that supported this. There was no incantation for him besides talking about me, and he used to copy out in his own hand every letter that I wrote to him considering them to be extremely blessed, and he admonished and advised other people. Even if there was a dry piece of my leftover bread, he would eat it considering it to be blessed. He was the one who was the first from Ludhiana to come to me in Kadiyan. At one time, I was shown by God that Abbas Ali would stumble and draw away from me. Even that letter of mine he copied into his collection of my letters. Thereafter, when he met me, he expressed surprise over my vision, saying, How can that be? For I am ready to lay down my life for you. I replied that whatever is destined for you shall be fulfilled. Subsequently, the time came when I put forward my claim of being the promised Messiah. He found the claim unpalatable. In the beginning, he was disgruntled in his heart. Later on, at the time of my debate with Mali Abu Sayyid, Muhammad Hussein, Ludiana, he had the opportunity of associating with my opponents for a few days. Then the divine decree became manifest, and he clearly revolted. He deviated completely, so much so that the conviction of his heart and the light of his face all vanished, and the darkness of apostasy became evident. After he had rejected me... He met me once at Bid the Ahmed's residence in Ludhiana and proposed, you and I can settle the matter if we are locked up in a room and remain locked for ten days. Then the one who is a liar shall die. I replied, Mir Saib, why resort to such tests that are opposed to the Sharia? No prophet tried to test God. However, God is watching you and me. He has the power on his own to kill the liar vis-a-vis the truthful. As for signs from God Almighty, they are pouring down like rain. If you are a genuine seeker of truth, come to Kadian with me. He replied that he could not go because his wife was ill, or perhaps she was away or something to that effect, which I do not recall. I responded, now just wait for God's verdict. Later he died the same year and there was no need left for being locked up in any room. This indeed is an occasion to fear God as to what the fate of Abbas Ali was. After such spiritual progress, he fell into the pit of decadence in an instant. His events demonstrate that even if there is a revelation about pleasure in respect of a certain person, that pleasure is quite often valid only for a particular time, i.e. as long as he does what God pleases. As in the Holy Quran, God Almighty repeatedly expresses his anger in respect of the disbelievers, But as soon as any one of them becomes a believer, the erstwhile anger changes into pleasure. Footnote start. This is why God has taught us this prayer in Salat, prescribed prayer. He has made it mandatory that without it the prescribed prayer is not complete. Not of those who incurred your wrath. That is, we should be careful lest after being the blessed ones, we once again become those who have incurred divine displeasure. We should, therefore, always fear God who is in need of no one. Footnote end. Similarly, divine pleasure at times changes into wrath. That is why it is on record in Hadith that sometimes a person performs deeds like those of the denizens of paradise, so much so that there is a distance of just one hand's breadth left between him and paradise, but in reality he is destined to be cast in hell. So ultimately he becomes guilty of such a deed or belief that he is thrown into hell because of it. Similarly, someone is destined for paradise but behaves like those who deserve hell, so much so that there is a distance of just one hand's breadth left between him and hell. But ultimately destiny prevails and he begins to perform good deeds. He dies in this condition and he is admitted into paradise. The proof of the truth of this prophecy, which no opponent can deny, is Mirabas Ali's notebook in which he has inscribed my prophecy in his own hand, which has been fulfilled. It is still available. I saw once in my dream, after his death, that he was dressed in black clothes from head to toe. He was standing at a distance of about a hundred paces from me, and begged me for something as assistance. I answered him, The time is now past. Now there is great distance between me and you. You cannot reach me. One hundred twenty-seven. sign. A person of the name of Sahaj Ram was the reader in the court of the commissioner at Amritsar. Prior to that, he had been the reader to the deputy commissioner at Sealkot. He was often engaged in religious discussions with me. By his very nature, he carried a grudge against Islam. It so happened that my elder brother, who had appeared in the competitive examination for the post of Tehsildar and had been successful was still at home in Qadiyan awaiting his assignment to a post. One day at the time of Asr, the afternoon prayer, I was occupied with reading the Holy Quran in the upper chambers of the house. As I was about to turn over to the next page, in that very condition I experienced a state of vision. I saw Sahaj Ram, dressed in black and standing before me in a tone of great humility and supplication, as if trying to persuade me to intercede for him that he might be shown mercy. I said to him, now there is no time for mercy, and simultaneously Allah the Almighty made me understand that Sahaj Ram had expired at that very moment, but no information had yet been conveyed about it. Thereafter, I descended from my room and found that my brother was sitting in the company of six or seven people, and their conversation related to the matter of my brother's assignment to a post. I said, should Pandit Sirhaj die, that post is also good. Those present burst out in laughter upon hearing my statement and said, why do you wish the death of a person who is hale and hearty? On the second or third day, the news arrived that Sirhaj had died suddenly at that very hour. One hundred twenty eight sign on February eleventh nineteen o six a prophecy was made about Bengal. the exact wording of which is as follows: concerning the order that had been issued with regard to Bengal, they will now be consoled, as everyone knows. its details are that the government had implemented the order concerning the division of Bengal. This order had so frustrated the Bengalis as to cause veritable mourning in Bengali homes. They tried hard to stop the division of Bengal, but failed. On the contrary, the government officials did not like their agitation. I do not even need to get into the details of the action government officials took in this regard. In particular, they, Bengalis, considered Lieutenant Governor Fuller as their angel of death. It so happened that when the Bengalis were suffering at the hands of their officials and were near to death due to Sir Fuller's administration, I received the revelation mentioned above, that is, concerning the order that had been issued with regard to Bengal they will now be consoled. I therefore published this prophecy during those very days. This prophecy came to be fulfilled, thus Fuller, the Lieutenant Governor of Bengal, at whose hands the Bengalis had suffered so much so that their cries had reached the heavens suddenly resigned. The paper showing the cause of his resignation had not been published but the jubilation the Bengalis have expressed at Fuller's resignation, as is indicated by the Bengali newspapers, is a witness above all others that the Bengalis have felt consolation by the resignation of Fuller. Their joyous meetings and shouts of jubilation testify that Fuller's resignation has indeed consoled them, nay rather, they were entirely consoled and they considered Fuller's resignation to be a great favor of the government upon them. In short, the expediency with which the reason of Fuller's resignation was concealed by the government is being exposed by the extreme delight of the Bengalis. What greater proof of the fulfillment of the prophecy could there be than that the Bengalis themselves have acknowledged their consolation in this episode and have expressed extreme gratitude to the government. This prophecy of mine was not only published in our journal The Review of Religions, but was also published by a number of newspapers of the Punjab. Even some famous newspapers of Bengal had published this prophecy. Another proof that this prophecy has been fulfilled is that Amrita Bazar Patrika Calcutta, the most well-known English-language newspaper of the Bengal, writes in the following lines which have been reproduced by the Civil and Military Gazette Lahore in its issue of August 22, 1906. The likelihood is that his, i.e. Fuller's successor, the new lieutenant governor, will follow a quite conciliatory policy. Of course, this is very desirable. These words of the above-mentioned paper also show that it has expressed its satisfaction that the new lieutenant governor would be deputy-bound to keep on consoling the Bengalis. As such, the above-mentioned newspaper, too, is a witness to the fulfillment of the prophecy. In the end, I produce here another strong argument in support of the fulfillment of the prophecy. A British officer who has held a senior government post for 50 years writes in a long letter published in the newspaper the Civil and Military Gazette Lahore in its issue dated August twenty-fourth, nineteen 1906, in which it is disclosed that Sir Fodor's resignation is in exact conformity with the wishes of the Bengali babus, respectable citizens. Under our regime, these schoolboys have political potentialities so powerful that their action has compelled that resignation of a lieutenant governor. His successor has no doubt received and accepted a mandate from the higher authorities to deal in a conciliatory spirit with these Babu urchins. Now mark the clarity with which this prophecy was fulfilled. God continues to manifest ever-fresh signs. Alas, how heedless are the hearts that they still do not accept. I have become so filled with conviction because of these successive signs, as an ocean is filled with water. But what a pity. My opponents have not tasted need of in a single drop of this pure water. One simply cannot imagine the enormity of this misfortune. There is not a single nation among whom the signs in my favor have not appeared, and there is not a sect that is not a witness to my signs. It would be no exaggeration to say that the number of witnesses to these signs is as much as a hundred million. But the plight of the opponents is pitiable, indeed that they did not derive any benefit from these signs. Had these signs that have been shown to them been shown to the Jews at the time of Hazrat Isa ibn Maryam, Jesus, son of Mary, they would not have been characterized, though smitten with abasement. Had Lut's, Lot's people witnessed these signs, they would not have been buried under the earth on account of that massive earthquake. But woe be upon these hearts that proved to be harder than stone that darkness that has overtaken their hearts exceeds every kind of darkness. The fact of the matter is that just as the world has progressed in respects of all kinds of material means, so has it advanced in disbelief and lack of faith. Hence, this advanced disbelief requires that it should not be visited by any ordinary chastisement, rather it should be overtaken by chastisement, the like of which has never descended since the beginning of the world. At any rate, Thousands of thanks be to God that the light that our opponents refused to accept and remained blind, the same light became the cause of advancement of our own sight and spiritual insight. We drank water from the springs of Allah, the water of resplendent revelation, until we were satiated. We witnessed the sun of Allah's glory, so we believed and testified with certainty and conviction. One kind of his signs appeared among my own Jamaat, while the other kind appeared among the disbelieving horde. 129th Sign Moabir Rasul Baba of Amritsar have written a wholly nonsensical and absurd pamphlet named Hayatul Masih, The Life of the Messiah Against Me. It was his statement that if this plague was a sign of the promised Messiah's truth, why did he, Rasul Baba himself, not contract the plague? In the end, he was seized by the plague. Right in the midst of his illness with plague, I received this revelation on Friday, meaning that he would die before the next Friday. Accordingly, he departed from this mortal world before the next Friday, December 8, 1902, at 5.30 a.m. This revelation of mine had been published before his death. It has also been published in Al-Hakam. Along with it, I received the following revelation. Meaning that, peace on you, O Ibrahim, Abraham, peace be upon your affair. You became victorious. 130th sign. In my book, Anjame Atham, I invited many opposing Malwis by name to a Mubahila, prayer duel, and wrote on page 66 of the book that should any one of them enter into a Mubahila with me. I would pray that some of them may become blind, some may become paralyzed, some may become insane, some may die of a snake bite, some may meet an untimely death, some may be disgraced, and some may suffer financial loss. Although the opposing Malwis were not courageous enough to accept the challenge of a Mubahila, they continued to slander me behind my back and persisted in their denial. Rashid Ahmad of Gango, for instance, has not only invoked the curse of Allah upon the liars, but has also called me Satan in one of his posters. Ultimately, the result of this was that of all 52 opposing movies, only 20 have survived thus far, and even they are ensnared by one calamity or another. The rest have all died. while Rashid Ahmad became blind and later died of a snake bite, as was in the prayer of the Mubahila. Walvi Shahdin died after becoming insane. Malvi Ghulam Das Tagir became a victim of the Mubahila and initiated by himself. As for those who are still alive, none of them has escaped the above named calamities, even though they have not yet entered into the Mubahila in the prescribed manner. One hundred and thirty first sign. Readers would note in this book that I had at one point prophesied about Bishamber Das, a brother of Sharampad Khatri, that although he would not be acquitted outright in the criminal case in which he was implicated, the term of his imprisonment would be reduced by half. Later, when Bishambar Das was released after serving half the term of his imprisonment, as was intimated in the prophecy, his kin falsely announced that Bishambar Das had been acquitted. It was night time and I had gone to our main mosque for offering prayer when Ali Muhammad Amullah, resident of Gadian, narrated it in the mosque that Bishamber Das had been acquitted and that he was being congratulated in the marketplace. I was shocked when I heard the news and was rather apprehensive that the bigoted Hindus would now object and say, You have prophesied that Bishamber Das would not be acquitted. Know now that he has in fact been acquitted. Under the stress of this grief, each God of the prayer felt as long as a year and when i prostrated at the end of a rakat my distress reached the extreme footnote start a rakat a single cycle of standing through prostration in the prescribed islamic prayer known as salat there are a set of numbers of these cycles for each of the five daily prayers footnote end then in that very state of prostration god addressing me aloud said meaning that have no fear at all. You indeed are victorious. After this, I waited as to how this prophecy would be fulfilled, but no sign appeared. I inquired of the very same Sharampat over and over again if it was true that Bishamber das had been acquitted. He would give the same answer. Yes, he has, in fact, been acquitted. And why should I lie? In the village, anyone of whom I inquired would invariably reply, We too have heard that he has been acquitted. Meanwhile, six months or thereabouts passed. Mischievous people would mock and jeer as is their wont. But Shalampat did not mock or jeer, which convinced me that he had behaved decently towards me on that occasion. Still, I felt embarrassed in his presence, thinking how emphatically I had communicated to him the news of his brother's non acquittal, and now the situation had come to such a pass. Despite all this, I had firm faith in my God, and I was certain that he would demonstrate some sign of his providence, and maybe he. Would be apprehended again after acquittal. But I knew not that the very news of his acquittal was a mere fabrication. Then it so happened that one Tesil of Batala, Hafizidayat Ali, whom I have mentioned earlier, came to Gadian at eight o'clock in the morning on an official visit to Gadian, for Gadian is part of Tehsil Batala. He came to a residence and had not yet dismounted his horse when a few Hindus, as is their wont, assembled to greet him, and Bishambar Das was among them. On seeing him, Bishambar Das, the Thessildar, said, Bishambar Das, I was pleased to hear that you had been released from jail, but alas, you were not acquitted. On hearing this, I fell into grateful prostration to God. Immediately I summoned Sharampat and asked him why he had lied to me for so long that Bishambar Das had been acquitted and I grieved me for nothing. He said he had to lie because of a consideration, namely that his people are highly critical of even minor flaws when they choose to enter into new Mauritian relationships, and it is very hard to obtain agreement from the girl's side when someone is proven to be guilty of a wrongdoing. It was because of this consideration that he continued to misrepresent the facts and publicize this falsehood.